word from our sponsors. Hey parents, we know you may be stuck at home with the kids right now and looking for ways to keep them actively engaged and learning. The Preschool Box is here to help. The Preschool Box is all about helping children unlock their potential by making learning fun. Each month, the Preschool Box will send you a box packed full of engaging and educational activities with a focus on reading and math skills that will prepare your little one for success in school. It's amazing. These monthly work at your own pace activities encourage learning, reading, and creativity in kiddos ages three to six, and each box has an array of hands-on activities, crafts, and worksheets, which you can structure to match your child's pace and level of development. And the best part is that every box has a set of focus skills, so each month you get new and exciting material to work on. The work you do at home now with your kids is so important for their future. Let the Preschool Box help you and your child have fun learning together. Head over now to thepreschoolbox.com and use the code PARENTDRIVEN to get $5 off your first Preschool Box. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. I'm Chris Sexton, and today I'm here with my friend Allison. Hi, I'm Allison, and today we're here with our guest, Miriam. So Miriam is a tech teacher, coder, and former architect who's now writing a children's book with her own art drawings about the binary world. Her aim is to change the conversation about the complications of the tech world and make it more understandable for kids. She released her first book in November of 2019, and she's from Holland. So welcome, Miriam. Thank you so much for having me. How are you today? I'm good. Here it's a, a little bit late, for, <laughs> but I'm still sharp, I think. I hope I can do this. <laughs> so I'd love to just start us off with having you tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself and the name of your book and sort of like what it's, what it's all about. I'm Miriam and I am a mom, software developer and a programming teacher. And for the past two years, I've spent the naps of my baby drawing and writing stories for kids about computers and technology. Basically, it all came up when I had my first baby two years ago. And looking around, I saw that our kids are going to live in a world where it's more likely that they become familiar with computers than to meet a cow in real life, right? And then if you still to browse through children's books, you'll find many firms and very few computers. Right. So I started thinking about how I'd like to introduce him to the world of technology. And that's where Therus and Ona is coming from. I started saying, wouldn't it be cool if we're writing a story is happening inside a computer about how computers do math or graphics or how the Internet works? And that's how the whole idea came up. That's amazing. It's incredible what you can get done in those nap times sometimes. Right. (laughs) Yes. You just got to keep at it in like little little bits at a time and see where it takes you. Yes. To give you some idea about the, the origins of the project, basically, I quit my job after I had him. Right. So I was running a bootcamp, uh, these bootcamps that you have that turn people into software developers in two months. Right. So I was coordinating and teaching one of those bootcamps. And then when I had my baby, the whole plan was already set, you know, like I was going to have my maternity leave. It was going to be three months. I was going to go back to the, to the bootcamp. He was going to go to kindergarten. Everything was settled, 
right? And then he came and he he didn't sleep. So <laughs> basically, <laughs> basically we were just there and then I went back to work uh, after three months of maternity leave and being in front of a classroom of 25 people, many of which had quit their jobs to switch careers into tech, you know, teaching them about how to code for eight hours in a row, I couldn't do it. So after some weeks, I quit my job as a, as a teacher. I said, look, I cannot, I told my boss, I cannot really do this. I don't know how people do this. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you quit the teaching job because of the, the load for teaching? Like it, it was too it was too hard to be both a, a boot camp teacher and and a, and a new parent at the same time. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I had kind of assumed you quit because you were you wanted to go write the book. That but it sounds like, like no. <laughs> it sounds like no, and it was like no. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it was more the other way around. It was more huh. the oh, okay. So I'm a teacher and I cannot do this. I'm going to stay at home. I'm going to take the, my, my husband, he's also a programmer. So, but he works behind a computer. So he's more on the programming side, not sure. teaching. And for him was a little bit easier, I guess, to, to hide himself <laughs> behind the screen if he was not sharp enough that day. But for me, it was very difficult, you know? Yeah, I yeah. can imagine. <laughs> so, and yeah, also the, the, the teaching job, it had a very, uh, a big emotional part in it, right? So, and then I stayed home and then suddenly I was 24 seven with a baby that didn't sleep. Naps were very short <laughs> and I couldn't even sleep next to him. It was like, and then I, I started. So at some point it was like 12 o'clock at night and our nights with him in the living room were just like, that was the norm, right? And then we were sleep deprived and then both programmers, we started talking with each other and saying like, how are we going to teach him about programming, about computers, about technology? He's going to live in this world, you know. I think we, being in the tech world, I don't know you guys, but for me it's like we are more aware about the implications, right? The the consequences, the, I don't know, the, the, the digital world that they are going to be living in, right? So mm -hmm. I think more than other parents outside the industry so for us was a, a, a hot topic and uh, we were not sleeping we had a lot of time in our hands and then we started talking and then it was one night and I think it was 12 o'clock one o'clock in in the night and then we started saying hey wouldn't it be cool if if we could read him stories about uh, about happening inside a computer as I said before and then it was so straightforward. Like then we said, but it would be cool if they were told by a zero and a one and they could do this and they could do that and they could be Therus and they could be Ona. And then the name was like right away. Unbelievable. Oh, I didn't even get that. That Therus and Ona is like zero and one. It's That's amazing. It's a zero and a one. And they live, they have all these friends, zeros and ones, and it's all happening inside there. Yeah. I think it's hilarious that, like, in your sleep-deprived evenings, it was mm -hmm. like, wait, but there's this really important thing that we should discuss, and what if we, like, what if we wrote a book about it? <laughs> <laughs> but also, look at me, you know, like, I was very, before baby, I was really career-driven, you know, and really, and then suddenly, there I am, you know, new mom with this kid, you know, not being able 
to, to go back to work and needing something a little bit more intellectual as well, you know. So this project came just like in this moment. And then, uh, well, I had the naps and I didn't have any other thing to do, right? And then drawing and writing became my own personal way of, of dealing with all the chaos and all the frustration and all the, yeah, hmm. all the things that were popping up at that moment in my life. That's, that's such an interesting way to redirect all of your anxiety and stress into something where you're actually being productive. That's 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 very impressive. Yeah, I mean, so the one of the questions that I had was, we've had a couple of, I would actually say particularly moms on this show who, who have have sort of like redirected their energy into into learning to code or into something like this. Did did you feel like uh, sort of writing and creating this book became uh did it become an outlet for you? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Like, you mean in the sense of uh, my, um, what do you mean by outlet? Uh, yeah, by outlet, I mean, like, a way, a thing that sort of you could focus on that was different from yes. the regularity of taking care of the baby and different from, like, the every minute of momming. It was sort of, like, separate from that, and it gave you something very intentional to focus on and to put your energies towards. Yes, it was completely that. And also, I, I, I really started because, yeah, I'm not a software developer from college, right? So I felt it in my own bones, you know, the not being drawn to computer science, not being drawn to this technical industry, right, as a child. And it became a very important you could say mission for me to say we need more right and then doing that while I was taking care of my baby doing those naps it's been and it still is a very he's two and a half now it's a very um, it comes from a very deep place right so mm -hmm. call it outlet or yeah it, it comes from a very intentional and it's a need as well, but at the same time, it's a way to serve other people. And also, I discovered that for a long time, I hadn't done any drawing or any, when I, when I learned how to code, I stopped completely with anything that had to do with sketching and creating buildings, designs or anything, because I ended up being very burned out from that part of in architecture during my architecture days, right? So then the baby came and then suddenly I had this this need for, for creation, right? I'm not the first one that says actually afterwards reading a lot about motherhood and creativity, somehow they people say that they are they can be very connected and interrelated, you know. You just created a human being, right? So <laughs> What's more, what's more creative than that? <laughs> so, so yeah, and then it was just nap after nap after nap after nap that uh, that the whole project uh, started to grow, and it was also for me a, a, a way to see that days were not for nothing, right? I don't know if mm -hmm. you guys had that a bit, you know, but some weeks were like, oh God. You know, <laughs> five days on a row, walking with the baby at 3 a.m. in the morning to see if he would fall asleep. You only know if you've been there. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> my second one was 
to put it lightly, not a good sleeper. And yeah, it's hard. You like, you sort of like live for the little bits of naps that you can get. But at the same time, for me, at least it was sort of like, uh, is there, there's like, what, there's more to me, right? Like, what is that bit that's more to me? I think that I remember it somewhere in my like sleep deprived fogginess. But yeah, you can only do it sort of like day in and day out. So for so long until you just like need where you just like need something else, right? Where like even, yes. and everybody says, I mean, I hate this, but everybody saw, everybody's like sleep when the baby sleeps. And it's like, no, sometimes when the baby sleeps, like I needed to just like do something for me, whatever yes. that was. It's like, even if you're sleep deprived, like, you know, you, you could nap. And sometimes I did sleep when, when she slept but if it was going to be a short nap and it's like well let me just like take those 20 minutes or 30 minutes to like do something that connects me to myself and make sure that Mm -hmm. I haven't like forgotten who I am Mm -hmm. as opposed to like sleep when the baby sleeps or the or the necessary chores (laughs) or the all the other (laughs) things you have to do well actually I told myself Miriam when he sleeps you're not doing household (laughs) that was a rule I was like and actually well first of all I hear you I hear you Alison it was like that it was like that and then eventually so all this was a a little bit a nap here a nap there and you know this well first after when I got into this project, then I started um, reading a lot about how to work with creativity and so on. And then I started learning that actually creativity blossoms at its best when it's full of chaos and instability. And I said, oh, <laughs> that's why this thing is just because your your mind is just so foggy, right? And then the other thing I wanted to say related to that that you just mentioned, Alison, was that at some point... I told my husband, I need to do something with this. So I really believe on Ferus Anona. It's not working anymore as a this nap thing just until the baby wakes up, right? And I said, you know what? Starting Monday, I'm going to wake up at 6, 6.30. I'm going to go to the city next to your job, to your office. I'm going to sit there at a coffee shop, in the cafe, and I'm going to work until 10. You work at 10, you bring the baby, and we've been doing that. So Therusanona is something that I've done from 7 o'clock to 9.30 in the mornings. That's it. And how long have you been doing that? I've been doing that for two years now. Wow. That's that's awesome. (laughs) Yes, yes. And for me, it was like, it was that thing that you were talking about, Alison. It was that I was ready for the baby at 10 o'clock. Don't yeah. ask me to be ready for the baby at seven o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you talked a little bit about like how you hadn't drawn in a while and how this some of this book came from the idea that you were not in um, computer science and building software from from college. What made you what made you decide to switch careers? And, and like, I would love to hear a little bit more about that. In my case, it was two things. On one hand, my life as an architect was very stressful. The hours in the office were long hours, weekends, nights. If you do like more challenging architecture, of course, there are exceptions. But we were doing competitions. We were doing public buildings. We, 
it was very challenging, the work that we were doing. And then you, you were just hitting deadline after deadline after deadline. And then I was in my 20s and it was fine. But then I was reaching my 30s and then I was like, mm, I cannot hold this for for, for a long time like I don't want this to be my life and then at the same time I started to date my husband and then he's a video game programmer and he's very passionate about what he does and he he we would say like what do you want to do this weekend and he's like oh I have this engine and I'm building this part <laughs> and I was like oh he's so passionate about this like this looks like this sounds like fun right and then at some point I said okay so I'm a binge learner which means that I learned as it was when I'm just like, okay, I'm going to stop this thing and I'm going to go full time on this, right? So I said, okay, I'm going to quit my job as an architect. Of course, it was not that easy, but like just to to make long story short. And then I told myself, I'm going to give myself six months and then I'm going to see what happens. And this was 2013 when people were not still doing this. Right now, many people, or you hear a lot of stories, right? Like, hey, I switched careers from, in 2013, no one was doing that. And then I, st- I ordered some books from a university because I thought I had to go back to university and so on. And at some point, I, I didn't feel like it was the way to go. And then I checked online courses and I did everything that was at that moment online in four months in a binge way which means I would wake up and then go into it until seven o'clock or so. And then it was, I think, five months afterwards that um, I said, I'm going to send out CVs and see what happens. And then in two weeks, I was working as a software developer. That's amazing. It was really good. (laughs) Sometimes you just need to do stuff, right? Like that's what I learned, you know. So you've gotten very good at at career switching, having done it a couple of times now. Yeah, I've done it actually three times. I learned German also in four months. (laughs) So, and it was really like the three best experiences of my life, I think. Like just having those breaks and then giving a turn to your life. Amazing. Totally recommend it. So in hindsight, do do you have any regrets about those career switches? Nothing. And actually, one of the things that I like most about Therus and Ona, it's that it brings together everything that I've been doing for the past 15 years, which for me is very insightful, thinking about it. So I was, I see myself right now that I was just discovering different parts of myself and acquiring new abilities and skills, you know, to, to make Therus and Ona possible. That's amazing. So I'd like to ask about the the contents of the, the book. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen your actual books, but I went and found on your website, you have your, your bits and you can download your little bits, mm-hmm. which are, are just kind of, you know, tiny ebook contents. But I was most impressed with is you're, you're teaching how the computers really work. And being a, a software developer and having two kids, I'd always looked for content to teach about computers and electronics. But often it was very superficial. It would teach things like terminology, but it wouldn't get into any real details. But I was looking at you, you have your story time about pixels. And you compare pixels to like Roman art mosaics. 
And mm-hmm. I thought that was inspired. That was fantastic. And like all the way down to like little centurion drawings, uh, putting together uh, these mosaics. And I'm like, but that's how they really, really work. <laughs> like, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Uh, how do you figure out what things you want to teach about computers to the kids? Let me think about it, because it doesn't come from a very thoughtful place, I discovered. Okay. So as a child, I never saw myself as a writer or as an, as an illustrator. I didn't think that was a real career, so I didn't really got that much into it, right? And it was only, again, as we already said, like two years ago, that I said, okay, this thing with writing, and and I've been teaching myself how to write stories during this time, right? And then apparently there are many different ways of actually coming up with the stories. And then for me, Therus and Ona comes from a very intuitive place. It's a very much feeling thing which for me, it's completely crazy. <laughs> so it might also sound for you a little crazy, and it is because it is. I just imagine myself having all these conversations with my kid in a few years and thinking about how am I going to answer those questions? And then well, how I started uh, working on Therus Anona, it was all about journaling and about just doing automatic writing. So then basically what you do, it's like you just start writing and then you you start journaling with your own characters, with your own project, and you don't stop. And that turned out to be a great way for me to figure out what I want to tell. Was that a process that you, you had learned from somewhere? There is this book, The Artist's Way, and they... It's one of the exercises that oh. they have to unlock c- creativity. And if, if you think that you are somehow blocked or you have something that you want to bring to life, they give you two different tools. They give you a tool which is morning pages, which is three pages handwriting. You wake up every morning and then you start writing three pages in a row nonstop. And that's how I started when my baby was very little. Okay. I wouldn't do it early in the morning. I would do it maybe I'd said, you know, maybe it was not three pages, maybe it was until the moment that he would wake up or then later in the afternoon in one of the naps. And personally, totally recommend it. Of course, you need to see, like, now I also work a lot with what is your personality type. And, you know, I don't want to say that much, like, oh, you need to try this, you know. But, but I would say, like, if you think that it resonates with you, for also for the listeners, if you think that you have something inside there and you don't really know, like, I started writing. And then they tell you in the book, your morning pages are going to be very boring. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, like, the, the first hundred pages were about why is my baby not sleeping? <laughs> 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 no, nobody really wants to read 100 pages about why a baby's not <laughs> I'm never going to publish my journal, you know, because it's, it was all about, you know, oh, my God, diaper change. I don't want to have that conversation again. You know, like, please, you know, like, get me out of here. <laughs> and then eventually, at some point, like the book says, Peter's and Ona appear on the page. And I have that page with me at home. And then you see there is a flip in the whole thing. And then I don't talk about my baby's not sleeping anymore. 
what I'm talking about. Okay, what am I doing? What am I creating? Like, what I'm, why am I doing this? And then, amazing, right? I don't know. For me, it was a very special moment in my life from the process. And then from that on, I just sit and I write. It's very intuitive. And then, yes, answering your question, there are different ways, right? So I discovered that you can be an intuitive writer and there is such a thing like intuitive writing if you search for it. And then basically it, it helps if you just journal and then you just let it all go and then you just... And then the other the, the other tool that the book says is that you need to have, so it is morning pages on one side and then on the other side, it's a weekly date with your artist. So mm. basically the book says the, the artist is this a small child inside of you and then he forgot how to play or she forgot how to play and then you just need to put him out there and then play. Very insightful as well. Yeah, as an engineer, I think about process all the time, but I can honestly say I've never, when I was reading, you know, children's books to my kids when they were little, never thought about the process of creating one. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> well, and I mean, I also think that as parents, we're balancing so much that it's easy to it's easy to say like, oh, man, you know, writing a book or whatever that there's there seems to be so many steps, right? And part of it is just getting started and taking it in like little bits and seeing, like you said, like when that, just getting into the habit and then and then at some point that, that flip happened, that switch happened and then it was different. And then, you know, and it just, it gets you into the habit of like continuing to create, continuing to do something and not, not seeing like the, the bigness of it because that feels almost like unachievable, but yeah. taking small steps towards it in the time that you have. Yeah. yeah, I like the idea of doing the practice, even if, you know, you don't think that's going going to be a final product. You know, it's the 100 days of journaling that, that no one will ever see, but you use that to learn how to, to follow that process. Yeah, that said, Right now, there is a process in place, and I'm happy I'm doing the second book, and I'm so happy that there is a process in place. Sure. <laughs> so the first one was also more about finding out the steps and what do I need and and so uh, on and so forth. But right now, there is a process. I know how many rounds do I need to go through the book. That's <laughs> <laughs> really... You've done it a few times, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But then also, you know what happens with this example that you mentioned about the Roman mosaics for me is that it came from a very, as I said, a very intuitive place. It was not even me, you know, like I was just writing and then this thing, you know, suddenly popped up in my mind and said, oh, you know, Roman mosaics have been doing it for years. <laughs> you know? And then when something comes from that place inside of you, then you just put it out there because it doesn't feel like yours anymore. You know, it's just, you know, like, I don't know where this is coming from. You know, like, this is fun, you know, because that's also another part of the project answering your question, Chris, is that how educative it needs to be, right? So for me, it was very important from the beginning that the educative part, of course, it needs to be there, but it needs to be fun before that. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be appealing and engaging for the kids, for the adults, for whoever, especially, I, I think, 
for the parent, right? Like sometimes I come up with stories or ideas and so, or my husband, you know, and we start talking about it. It's like, oh, that's fine. You know, it's more for us as well, right? And we oh, somehow. Yes. There are definitely, uh, there are definitely children's books and TV shows that magically just don't exist in our house because we <laughs> as parents like just can't deal with them. So it's like exactly. something that I like have read at someone else's house or, you know, that, that has been watched at somebody else's house. And I'm like, nope, that is, that is, I cannot do that multiple times on multiple days or whatever. It just magically doesn't exist in, <laughs> in our house. So, yeah, I mean, I, I actually love the fact that when you're thinking of stories or things or like that come up in conversation or things that just sort of pop onto the page, that part of it is like, ooh, what's like fun and interesting to you as a parent and not just not just like, oh, this is a thing that would be good for a kid to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So writing right now the second book, it's the story about how Therus and Ona met for the first time, right? And I'm not going to do any spoiler, right? But that moment needed to be fun right, for the parents. And then every beta reader that I have, and then they see like how they, oh, but that's how they happen? That's, that's, wow. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> because it's like where in the binary world they could, you know, they could meet, you know, like what could happen, you know? And then just bringing that question into the journaling, right? And seeing what, you know, options, like, yeah, imagine, like, there are tons of fun situations in, could, in which they could meet, right? If you think about it from a programmer perspective. That's fun. I, I love a good origin story. So now, <laughs> now I'm very curious what it, where they met. <laughs> I've, uh, I'm very happy with, the, with how this one is turning out. And I also don't have the fears that I had for the first one, which was like, am I going to be able to finish a book? You know, now you finish a book, you can relax about the outcome. You know, you know how you're going to do it. The whole logistics are in place. You know, people are buying it, you know, like it's getting out there and people, the feedback, it's been very nice. So it's like, OK, now I just I'm going to enjoy and write a nice story and, and have fun with this. Nice. Yeah, I was going to ask you because I saw on your site that you have you're writing the next book and then you have a, it looks like another one planned after that and I was curious what what you feel is different from like embarking on deciding to write the first book and writing the first book versus sort of thinking about the second and, and third books yeah I'm happy that I'm over that seriously <laughs> <laughs> on one hand if you are I don't know, are you guys going through a project that you want to bring up to life or maybe the listeners? I don't know. But if you're there, do it. But do it quick. <laughs> Get it out there. Get it out there. You know, like go over that first step of, you know, like quality check <laughs> with the real world soon so you can move forward, right? And said, okay, now it's about how, how do we make this better, right? Also for me, there was a lot about uh, there's a voice inside me many times right now that comes to me and said, Miriam, that's perfectionism. Move on. <laughs> I, learned, I learned that in these two years because I was so very much, you said before, Alison, that it's about the small steps, you know, and, but, and not, not, don't focus too much on the bigness of the thing. But it's also for me was an interesting exercise of not actually focusing on the smallness of the things. Because I can be very, I was for a long time focused on how the eyes would look like. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then at some point I'm like, Miriam, that's perfectionist. Move on, you know, like go to the bigness, you know. So for me, it was really a dance about moving from the bigness of the project, about what's my mission, what is it that it's doing, you know, and then to the smallness of the of the project, right? I don't know if it makes sense, but it was like this balance of, okay, small steps, tiny details versus, hey, is this serving people, you know, move forward, right? So that was very interesting for me. I've never had that before. Yeah. All right. So we are moving on to the part of our podcast where we talk about genius and fails. So the things that have happened in the last week or two that were just really, really amazing that made us feel like geniuses or the things that have not gone so well that have been a little bit of a failure. Does anyone want to go first? I can go first. But you you need to allow me to go a little bit further in time, like one month. Okay, you got one month. (laughs) Okay, so one month, I'm putting my hands on top of my eyes right now because it was, oh God. So it was one of those mornings that I would stay at home actually and not going to the cafe and work on the project, but I was just sending out my newsletter and it needed to be done before baby wakes up. So what happened was it was not finished and then the baby woke up and I was like, oh, my God. Well, my baby, he's a toddler right now, like two and a half. And then I was so into the newsletter thing. I was like, OK, it's going to be two minutes and I'm done with this. Right. And then he woke up and we actually we don't let him to touch any device at this moment, not even watch any device. We are very like tech free or trying to do tech free education as much as possible, of course. But I said, you know, Miriam, this is an exception. You need to send out that newsletter. You know, it's going to be two minutes and he will survive. You know, he might even enjoy it. Right. So he can watch a video, you know, just put a video and then let him watch that. And then two minutes newsletter is out and then you start the day. I put him next to me. He started watching that thing and he started touching buttons and so on. I said, no, it's fine. It's just Safari. It's fine. Okay, fine. Newsletter is sent out, you know, we do our day. And then during the nap, I opened my iPad. So he was on the iPad. And the application with all my drawings of Therus and Ona was gone. And I couldn't believe it. I lost all the drawings of Therus and Ona until this moment. Source files. So, of course, I have PDFs and I have PhDs and I have. And I said, oh, God, Miriam, this is a fail. <laughs> this is a fail. Huge fail. I told my husband. My husband was like nervous, like for four days. He couldn't said like, look, no, seriously, Therus and Ona are inside me. They are in my journal. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> no, they are not. You lost all your soul files. And I was like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Give me, give seriously, give me forty-eight hours. I bring them on again. They are, they are here. They are here. And that indeed happened, right? Like in, in 48 hours, I was up and running again. So he was like, oh, okay, good. And actually, at the end of the day, it was a success because it was also my fail. I haven't been doing the backup of the files properly, but stupid things, developer things. <laughs> like, I don't know how they do it, but they don't save automatically. I was saving them wrong. And I went to the Apple store, stayed there for a whole day. Like, no, it's not in the it's not in the time machine thing. And I was like, what? It's there, but, you know, we cannot read them. And I was like, but it's there, you know, like, <laughs> like 
<laughs> you know, like, why is this time machine like 800 terabytes? <laughs> I don't know, it was cute. <laughs> is... They're there, they're there, you know, you cannot reach them. No, we cannot. You should have saved them in iCloud Drive. <laughs> <laughs> My God. So now I'm up and running. Actually, I did a lot of cleanup, of course, like a lot of files that actually were not like worth saving were gone and it's good. But now I'm sure that I'm saving it properly so that it happens when when I have 10 books out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was just oh God. That is intense. So the fourth book is going to be about um, offsite backup? <laughs> yeah, recovery, <laughs> file recovery. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh. It is amazing how those like tiny fingers can find their way. <laughs> oh like there are so many things that they could press on that like don't make a difference in the grand scheme of yeah. things, but they always find like how do they navigate to like the few places where you keep things that actually matter? <laughs> like, oh God. Uh, <laughs> oh, you should have seen me, Alison. When I saw that the app was not there, I was like. <laughs> How? How? <laughs> you need to really hold hold that thing and then say that you wanna. <laughs> there are like three steps that you need to know how to do it. <laughs> uh, oh, good that we are laughing. Good that we are laughing. <laughs> That's my fail, guys. I can go next. I also have a fail, which is a bummer because I feel like I've been on a good stroke of geniuses, but my son has. He's been, we'll say, challenging this week. Like, it's been one of those weeks where he just, like, doesn't hear or doesn't care about a single thing that we say where it's just, like, he's just, like, usually he's, like, he's pretty good. He's, like, you know, he's not all the time, but he's, like, generally a good a good listener, knows, you know, come home from school, wash hands, tell us what he wants for dinner. You know, like, there's a there's a general sequence of things etc and this week he just it's just like hasn't been good but also last night my husband and I were talking and he he was like man I wonder what's going on with Devin this week he's just like not he's like we've just had like we've had to be really on top of him about stuff and and I thought about it for a second and I was like you know what I was like I think that this is I'm pretty sure this is our fault and I thought about it for a couple minutes and I sort of was talking out loud and I was like, this is a really, it's a really, really busy week at work for me. It's a busy week for this other committee that I sit on. It's a fairly busy week for my husband. It's my younger daughter, my younger daughter's birthday. So it's, it, there's like a lot of stuff that's crammed into this week. And I said to my husband, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is on us. Cause I'm pretty sure that, we are very focused on like the busyness of our week. And we've been very focused on my daughter because it's her birthday this week. And instead of sort of balancing that or even explaining to our son, like, hey, you know, like this is a busy week where, you know, like we need your help or it's going to be busy or, you know, it's it's Layla's birthday. And so we're going to be doing we're going to be focusing on her more this week because it's, you know, because it's her birthday. We just sort of like went into the week without any preparation and so we are going to try to sort of recorrect this morning we made sure to talk to him very calmly and do 
you know, talk to him sort of solo as opposed to like, you both have to do this and that and whatever. And so that was a fail. We have two kids. Sometimes it's hard. <laughs> but yeah, because we were we were thinking about it and it just, you know, he's just sort of acting out a bunch this week. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is I'm pretty sure this is our fault. That's, that's fine. Right. We'll fix it. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> So it's that, amazing how, how much they can actually absorb, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that is that is my fail. So I have one where it's, it's a little bit of a fail. It kind of has a silver lining at the end. And what happens is we ordered some art from an artist that we really liked. And it's an oil painting. And we were very excited about it. But when it showed up, it came in a tube. And I was thought, oh, that's odd. I was expecting it to be an oil painting on the, the wooden frame, this the canvas stretched over the frame, but it wasn't. It was a canvas rolled up in a tube. And so I was like, oh no, we have to stretch this over a, a frame. And I messaged some friends who are, are painters and said, how hard is this to do? And and they said, oh, it's, it's hard, don't do not do not do it. I, you know, I've had to do it before, it's a pain. And my wife chimed in when we were talking and she's like, please just pay someone to do this. Like you have, you know, a dozen projects, just, just please go and pay someone to do this. And I watched a bunch of YouTube videos. Uh, I did, a, you know, I looked at the tools that I need to buy. Ultimately, I didn't do it myself. Mostly, I was I was worried of of hurting this piece of art that we really love. However, through all this whole thing, my daughter was there, and we were talking about it and watching the videos together and seeing that oh, you have to get special canvas pulling pliers and you know you need a staple gun and and you go and buy the frame and we, so we knew all the things that we needed. And after we had gotten it professionally mounted, which looks amazing, although it was fairly expensive, and we hung it on the wall, we were sitting there looking at it, and my daughter kind of leans over to me and just goes, we could have done that. And I was like, (laughs) yes, that's the win right there, because I got it in her head that whenever we look at these things, she's like, ah, we could do it. Like, we might mess up a few, but we'll, we'll get it. So I was, I was very proud of her for, for taking that internalization to this process of we eventually paid somebody, but we could have done it. <laughs> nice. I like it. So, Miriam, if somebody wanted to find more about you or Zerosanona, where where should they look? There's a website, zerosanona.com, and also there's a Twitter I actively share news about the project in there. And there is a mailing list as well where they can hear about it via email at serosanona.com slash newsletter. Great. And what's the Twitter handle? Serosanona as well. So same thing. Yeah. All right. That would be awesome. Thanks so much for listening to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have questions that you'd like us to chat about on air, email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or find us on Twitter at at parentdrivendev. And if you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash parentdrivendev and rate us on iTunes. Thanks so much. 